Jax here. Before we start this week's episode, I just wanted to put a little trigger warning at the beginning. I talk about my eating disorder in the introduction. So if that is not where your head is at at the moment, if that's something that is going to hinder you, not help you, I suggest you uh, jump forward about 10 minutes and you should get to question number one. Okay, on with the show. Hi, Jax. Hey, Jax. Hello, Jax. Hey, Jax. I have a question for you. And I'm just wondering about... I wanted to ask you about... Uh, I have a question for you. I have a question about the history of porn. Hi, Thorny fam. It's Jax here for another week of answering your thorny issues. Those questions that you have sent to me about your relationships, about your sex life, about your friends, whatever the issues are that are on your mind, you know that you can send them over to me. And this week, we've got a couple of great ones that I'm looking forward to jumping into. But before I jump into them, I wanted to recognize something. This week, it was World Mental Health Awareness Day. Sometimes I really roll my eyes at some of the days that are out there, which I know I shouldn't, but there are just some utterly ridiculous ones, like it's National Bacon Day. But mental health awareness is incredibly important. And it's one I chose to recognize not only on the Thorny Issues Instagram, but also on my own personal Instagram. I took control of my mental health in 2016. I didn't do it willingly. (laughs) I got to such a low point in my life that it was kind of the only option. And it makes me sad looking back on it because there were definitely signs and signals along the way that I needed to go talk to someone. But I was being staunchly independent and remarkably British and not dealing with my feelings and everything was fine. My God, the amount of times I said that, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I've got this. It makes me want to go back and give Jax in 2016 a massive hug. And so I've spoken about it a little bit on Instagram. And I'll be honest, I was completely overwhelmed with the response that I got from my friends. A huge response being that they appreciated my vulnerability. And it meant that I gave them a space to talk about their things. So back in 2016, I had my heart broken, which sounds neither here nor there. Hearts break all the time. And I had my heart broken by a guy who was not my boyfriend, but it was a guy who I thought was the one, the one I was going to marry. And we don't need to go any further into this because I think he listens, hey bud. So my heart got broken and it was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back. So I came back from this trip and I was low. I was incredibly low. Life got very dark. Beyonce's Lemonade had just come out and I had saved the album for after this trip that I'd been on, being like, this is either going to be an epic new relationship album or holy shit, this is going to be my heartbreak album. And I will tell you, that is my heartbreak album. And I will sing Freedom at the top of my lungs still to this day. And it can feel those emotions that I had. I got so low and I was trying to hide all these feelings from everyone. I was trying to let everyone know how well I was that something quite incredible happened. Didn't feel incredible at the time. I have an eating disorder. I've had an eating disorder since I was 13. My eating disorder was unrecognized and undiagnosed until 2016 because our brains are incredible and our brains can hide a lot of things. So in this really low dark moment, my eating disorder was discovered. It meant I had to go to therapy. What I mean by that is for years, the English in me was like, I don't need therapy. I don't need therapy. It's quite a North American thing. I don't need that. But when you 
are diagnosed with an eating disorder, part of recovery is going to talk to a therapist or a counsellor. And so because that was the prescribed thing to do, that's what I went and did. And going to see a counsellor and digging deeper into the why behind my eating disorder, because my eating disorder isn't the problem. My eating disorder highlights that there are things going on in my brain that I need to deal with. And so I did. And between the fall of 2016 and the spring of 2017, we managed to get the eating disorder under control, which is incredible. I am in, I am no way healed or recovered. It still likes to rear its head every now and again, but I now understand it a lot more and I've managed to change my habits in a way that are incredibly healthy and I'm so grateful for. And the reason I'm talking about it is that eating disorders, they thrive in the dark. They thrive in secrecy. They are hidden away and it loses its power over me when I talk about it. So I will talk about it. I won't bring it up all the time, I promise, but having a little vulnerable moment now. So I got the eating disorder under control and I thought, great, I'm healed, I'm fixed. And a few months later, it started to like wobble again. And my counsellor had retired and I was like, oh, fuck, gotta go find another one now. And I did. And I found this incredible woman whose name I will not say on the podcast because she already sees 90% of my friends (laughs) because I've recommended her so much and now it's impossible to get an appointment. So not going to say her name, but we'll call her an absolute angel. And this woman has helped me understand how my brain works, what my triggers are. I had an awful back surgery when I was 13 years old. That surgery changed my life. It changed the direction of my life. I went through something very grown up in a child's body and mind. I have so many childish views from that moment that really come down to being a scared little girl thinking that she's got everything under control and not having the ability to ask for help. I don't need to go any more into it except to say that by addressing my mental health now, what's that, five, six, seven-ish, seven-ish years ago, I can tell you that I am more confident, I am more content in myself, and I am more aware of how my brain and body works. That doesn't mean that life is a bed of roses and I've got everything fixed and everything is fine. Sometimes things can really set me off, but I've got a toolkit and I'm no longer hiding in the shadows. I'm no longer letting my emotions rule me. I am understanding them. I am addressing them. Fuck, I'm sitting in those feelings, which isn't always easy. And I'm moving on. So I just wanted anyone to know if they're currently struggling with anything, give someone a call. Or if that feels like too much, if it's too hard to be that vulnerable right now, be honest with yourself. What's actually going on? Take baby steps. It's okay. You can do this. You've got people in your life who care about you. And you've got some random English podcaster who cares about you too. Mental health is health. We look after our muscles when we tear them. We strengthen our body by going to the gym or going for a walk. We should do that with our mind too. My gosh, that's the most vulnerable I've ever been with you. (laughs) An ex once told me that my vulnerability showed weakness and was incredibly unsexy because I was in control and understood my emotions is an ex for a reason. But I will have you all know that my vulnerability is one of my superpowers. My vulnerability gives me strength. 
And if I can give you any strength through this little rambly conversation, then that's a bonus. That is a positive, And I will take that. No weakness about it. Right, that is enough <laughs> sentimentality for one day. Gosh, probably for many months. We're not going to go that deep again. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Let me know what you think of the episode. You can get in contact with me through the question at the end of uh, listening on Spotify, if you would like, or you can send me an email, jacks at thorny issues. You can submit a question or just submit a voice note on thornyissues.ca or go to Instagram at thornyissues. I think I've got them all covered there. Enjoy the show. Hey Jax, um, my boyfriend can't orgasm when you're having sex or when I'm going down on him. The only way he can do it, it is when he finishes himself off. Am I doing something wrong? I'm scared I'm not good enough at it, but he says that isn't true. We've only been seeing each other for a few months and he had been single for a while before that. So he says that he's just used to his own touch. Sometimes he puts himself under pressure to come when you're out having sex, and he says that it is stressing him out. I hate thinking I'm causing this by pressuring him, but it really bothers me. Is this common? It has never happened to me before, and I do not know what to do. Hi, thank you for your question. And I shall begin with, nope, you are not doing anything wrong. So I would like to take that stress off you right now. Also, your boyfriend isn't doing anything wrong. Let's take that stress off his back too and work out a way that the two of you can go from being stressed out and blaming yourselves to having some fun together in the bedroom because that's what it's all about. We are overexposed to unhelpful and inaccurate information that men are supposed to orgasm and ejaculate every time through penetration. This doesn't help anyone. Films, TV shows, porn. None of these versions of media are healthy, honest depictions of what actually happens in the bedroom. Guys don't come every time they have sex. Definitely not always through vaginal penetration. There are millions of fun ways to orgasm. Vaginal penetration is just one of them. And your boyfriend isn't wrong when he says he's used to his own touch. This is totally a thing that happens. It can happen for people with penises. It can happen for people with vulvas. We get used to playing with ourselves. We get used to our own touch. And if he's only been playing with himself for a while, it sounds like he's just used to that particular stimulation. His grip strength, speed, how much of the tip versus the shaft versus the balls are touched, stroked, teased, tugged. These are all things he knows like the back of his hand. He's probably been jacking off since he was like 12, 13 years old. You are just learning his body. And learning his body is really fun. Another really simple question, just whilst you're sort of having these initial orgasm, um, I don't want to call them issues, these initial sort of orgasm hiccups. Uh, what time of day are you having sex? If it's late at night after a long stressful day, that can really add to the pressure. If your body's tired, if you're not really in the mood and you're trying to do something, there's that. Are you sober? Have you been drinking? Have you been smoking weed? Have you been taking any other drugs? Maybe initially take away some of these other stimulants because they can really affect body chemistry. Performing under pressure never makes things easier. 
just think about it in your day-to-day life. Some people take that adrenaline and thrive and perform fantastically, but a lot of people can crumble under pressure. Penises are just like us. They feel pressure. They can hide away. The more stress, the less likelihood of performing as we feel they should. And I'm saying they should in air quotes, which nobody can see because this is a podcast. So let's get you and your boyfriend to a space where you can have fun in the bedroom. Take the stresses away. And to do this, my first suggestion is take vaginal sex off the menu for a little while. For the next couple of times you play, that's just not something you're going to do. Or at least take coming through vaginal sex off the table. It's just not in the plan. And that's okay because there's so many other things you can do. Sex isn't a prescription. There isn't a one size fits all. Sex shouldn't be goal based. We're only ever taught goal based sex ed at school. This is how you have a baby. This is how a man orgasms inside you. This is where his little sperm go. This is how to stop yourself getting pregnant. Sex happens when you both come. Take the goals away. When things are goal-based, it adds a stress. It also adds the ability to fail. No, no, no. We're not going to fail here. Sex isn't about failure. It's about fun. It's about emotional connection. Go explore each other's chemistry. So my first suggestion to you is learn to enjoy each other's bodies. You're a new couple. You've only been sleeping together for a few months. Have fun seeing what makes each other tick. We know your boyfriend can come through jacking off. Have you watched him masturbate? Get him to show you how he likes to be touched and then show him how you like to be touched, how you make yourself come when you're playing alone. Mutual masturbation, doing this side by side, watching each other, having eye contact can be fucking hot. It can really create a bond, even if you're not touching each other. Knowing that you're both in this high state of erotic pleasure, if that's a way to phrase that, can just feel amazing. That connection that you can have is amazing. And then see if you can move your hand over to him and he can show you how he likes to be touched. And then you can do the same. That's a fun thing to do. You're still learning each other's bodies. You're learning how your body and his body fit together. I would suggest through this that sensual play is the way to go. And when I say learning each other's bodies, I don't mean he's learning how your vulva and vagina works and you're learning how his dick works. I mean your whole body. What parts of the bodies are sensitive? Do you like kissing each other's necks, ears? Are there certain things that feel amazing when touched? Touch each other. This is the advice I'm giving you. Maybe try different textures, perhaps a silk scarf or a leather belt or an ice cube or a vibrator somewhere over the body. If you wear a blindfold when you're doing this and you can take away one sensation, it can really heighten the other sensations. Some things aren't going to work for you. Some things won't feel great and say instantly if they don't. Some things you'll just be like, oh, right, hmm, not for me. Other things might surprise you. There might be certain areas or ways or pressure or or things that your boyfriend does when he touches you or you do when you touch him that really turn you on and connect you to each other. And then whilst you're doing this, I suggest that you think about the language that you use. Be positive. Use phrases such as, I like it when you touch me here. Where do you like to be touched? Do you like it when I do this? You look really sexy when... It is so hot when you do that to me. 
can we explore this more? From personal experience, I'll tell you that when my partners tell me that I look hot or sexy or I'm doing something that they're really enjoying, like I'm touching them in a way that they really like, the confidence boost that comes through my body is amazing and it heightens my senses, it heightens my emotions and it makes me feel more connected in play. So I hope maybe that is something that you can do too. And like I say, if you take orgasms off the table, if they are not the end goal, you can really start to learn each other. Now that doesn't mean that you can't come. If an orgasm happens, that's fantastic. But what it's saying is we're not doing this prescriptive sex of maybe a few minutes of sort of getting each other excited and then his dick's inside you and he's fucking you and he's not coming and you're wondering why and he's wondering why and it's all becoming a bit much. So take a step back, spend time together, spend sexy time together. We're coming into fall and winter. There's going to be some rainy afternoons. Book the afternoon together. Maybe a time you would normally, I don't know, go to a movie or go to the mall or go do something inside but out the house. Spend time inside. Maybe light some candles. Create a bit of an atmosphere and learn each other's bodies and what makes both of you tick and how to communicate with each other. And I can almost guarantee that he will be coming from many other ways than just his hand whilst you're there. You have not done anything wrong. He is not doing anything wrong. Let's make this a non-stressful situation so you two can get to the good bits, the fun bits, the connection, and back hopefully to the orgasms. Hey Jax, my boyfriend and I have been together for three years, and when it's just the two of us, we get along really well. On the surface, we're total opposites. I'm very outgoing and have a lot of friends, while he's very quiet and doesn't have many friends or much of a social life. He has had the same job forever and leads a quiet life in general. I'm more type A, always anxious that I'm not doing enough. He helps calm me down and is always so supportive. I like that he's the opposite of most of my friends who are high achievers and possibly a little too competitive. The issue is that when we go out with my friends, it's awkward and I feel embarrassed. I imagine them looking at us thinking, what is she doing with him? He wears weird clothes and can say strange things when he's under pressure. He doesn't have a big job and a lot of my friends are very successful. He says he'd rather I saw them without him around because he doesn't enjoy these nights out. But for some reason, I keep putting pressure on him to join, even though it stresses me out too. I was single for a long time, and I think I always imagined that when I was in a relationship, we could do these couple things like go out for dinner on double dates with other couples and maybe even go on group holidays. That won't happen with him, and I know it shouldn't bother me so much, but it does. How do I let it go? Surely what matters is how we are when it's just the two of us, or is it important to have the approval of your friends? And why, when I'm 32 years old, am I so hung up on having my friends approval? From one type A to another, I hear you. I totally understand this question. And I get the conundrum. We're bombarded all the time with the images of happy couples and happy couples with their friends. We choose to fantasize about what we're looking for in a partner or what will be in our lives when we have a partner. Sometimes when we're single and all of our friends are in couples, we look at what they're doing and think that must be happy. That must be the thing that we need to do. And it's not always the way. I know I've definitely sat there before thinking, oh my gosh, it would be amazing if my partner became best friends with my best friend's partner. And then we'd be this like magical quad. 
It never works like that. It doesn't work like that. And if it does work like that, then that's the lucky few. You've got to think of it that way. The lucky few do this. It isn't the norm. But clearly this was something you wanted and it's totally okay to vocalize it and to grieve it. I'm here to assure you that going on holiday or going for regular dinners are things that some couples do, but many couples do not do this. This isn't the norm. It is okay. What you need to do is focus on what works best for you and your boyfriend. Don't compare yourself to others. I say that as if you're not going to do it. We all compare ourselves to others all the time, but really try and focus on you. Your friends may have their relationships, you have yours. Their relationships are theirs. And you have a relationship with a man who makes you happy. You say you get on well, he calms you down, he supports you. These are fantastic things. Take a moment, celebrate what's great about your relationship. Remind yourself what you love about your partner and why your relationship works for both of you. Your friends might have different priorities in their partnerships. We aren't all looking for the same thing. You have different wants and needs, and if your boyfriend is fulfilling them, then there's nothing to worry about. It sounds, I mean, you say, I was going to say, it sounds like you're afraid of what your friends think, but you do say, why does it bother you so much? Spend some time sitting with this question. What's causing you to question your choice? You say you imagine them looking at you and thinking, what's she doing with him? Is this actually the case? Has anyone ever said anything? Because I can tell you firsthand that when my close friends show up with a new partner and if that partner is kind and supportive and makes them happy, I don't really care about anything else. I want my friends to be happy. I imagine if you've been friends with these people for so long, they're going to want that for you too. They'll have seen you when you were single. They'll now see you together. And if you say you've been in a happy three-year relationship, that happiness will have come across to your friends. And hopefully, if they're good friends, they support this and they support this in you. Be confident in your decision. I have another question too, or at least another thought here. How long have you known these friends? When did you meet them? If you met them a long time ago, it's likely that your life priorities and value system has shifted slightly. It just does as we get older. I can tell you the things that I looked for in a man in my 20s are very different to the things that I look for now. Does your partner fit your current value system, your current wants and needs? That is all that matters. I really appreciate many things about your boyfriend, but one of them is that he has stated his position. He doesn't really want to go out with your friends. He doesn't enjoy it. Respect that decision. If it's really important to you, perhaps you can discuss with him that he comes to one event every two or three months or that he'll be at the big things like weddings and birthdays and key events. But maybe he misses a midweek dinner where you're catching up with your friends. It can be really nice to have your friends a little separate from your partner. You can go out with them. You can share with them. You can laugh over things that maybe are in jokes for years. You're not worried about having to explain every sort of backstory to whatever you and your friends are just giggling about. And then you get to go home and snuggle with your boyfriend and he'll be happy that you went and had a good night and you'll be happy that you went and had a good night. And you won't need to worry about this sort of mushing everybody together and trying to make something work that clearly isn't working. You're 32 years old. You're in a relationship that makes you happy. Be confident in that decision. And if you're this worried about it, talk to your friends. 
If they are good friends, they will support this decision because he is clearly making you happy. And it is more than okay that the reality of your relationship is not what the fantasies are that you had when you were single. The qualities that your boyfriend brings out of you and brings to the table and hopefully what you have together will feel much more warm and secure than any fantasy half a bottle of wine in when you're single on your sofa has. Enjoy that. And that is where we will leave this week's episode. Thank you very much to the listeners who submitted questions. I hope you enjoyed my advice. If you didn't, feel free to let me know. You can let me know through Instagram at Thorny Issues. You can let me know on the website. You could submit a voice note saying that I got the advice wrong this week and what you would have said. Speaking of the website, thornyissues.ca, that is where you can submit your questions. The podcast doesn't work without you. So please let me know what you want to know. What are the thorny issues in your life right now? What would make life a little bit easier? If you just had a little bit of advice from some random English internet stranger, I love hearing from you. I really do. I also have a coffee account at ko-fi.com slash thorny issues. If you want to buy me a coffee, let me know that you are enjoying the podcast. I wouldn't say no. I always really appreciate the donations that come through there. And do that thing that embarrasses me every time I have to say it. But I have to say it because it's a podcast. And if you don't like and you don't subscribe and you don't review, then I go down in algorithms and other people can't listen. And I want a bigger audience because I have an ego. But also because the more people that listen, the more varied questions that I will get in and the more interesting I think the podcast will be. So like, subscribe, rate five stars, please. And tell your friends. Send the podcast to someone this week that you think might enjoy it. Oh, can you tell I really struggle with the salesy bit at the end? (laughs) But thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for taking time out of your busy life to get lost in a little bit of sex and relationship advice. Maybe things are a little tough right now and you just wanted something easy to listen to. So I hope this has helped in some way. Be kind. Stay safe. Have fun. Bye. Bye.